1: varsity club podcast my name is derek peterson joining me i have one of your favorite hill varsity writers greg smith greg hello how are
0: you hello uh i am well man it's it's good to be back with you on the varsity club this
1: is a big day um (laughs) i didn't know that it was episode 200 until we got in and started recording and i saw the little 200 number and the the headline this is episode 200 of this podcast and you have the distinct privilege the honor of being the 200th guest on this podcast even though we haven't had 200 guests
0: that's amazing. First of all, congratulations! Like that's a big deal to have 200 episodes uh, yeah. of a podcast. So that that's really cool. I'm I'm glad we figured that out ahead of time. Pretty
1: cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And this is the first time that this is on video. Um, kind of as we're as we're doing this, so I fully expect my AirPods and my Bluetooth and my computer to drop out midway through, and everything's going to go haywire. <laughs> I'm completely expecting that to happen. Um, yeah. This is cool. This is cool. There's a little ticker down at the bottom. Get your Hill Varsity subscription. Go to hillvarsity.com backslash subscribe. Make sure that you're reading all the Hale Varsity content that Greg and everybody over there at the team is putting out. Also, you can get the magazine, which you want to do. Greg also has his own podcast, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast, which you can listen to. It also has a video now, video component on oh. YouTube where you're where you're. If you're watching this, you can go watch his podcast as well or his video as well. Um, we've got other podcasts. Uh, This is a proud part of the Heard Media Network. Go to halevarsity.com backslash network, I think, to find every other podcast. Um, Greg, I have a question for you before we get into it. If you could, like, Will Smith, um, Men in Black, like, Brain Wipe, one movie-going experience or one movie-watching experience from your brain and rewatch any movie for the first time over again, which movie would you want to see again? First experience.
0: Oh man, that's that's a really good question. Um, my my gut reaction it was the very first thing I thought of. If I could like wipe it out and then rewatch and experience it all over again. Uh, was Inception which is kind of ironic given, you know, the subject of that film. Um, such a good movie, such a good movie. And like the first time, like you're kind of confused, kind of mind blown, um, really impressed <laughs> with everything. And so to go through that all over again would actually be really neat.
1: My brain went to Inception and it also went to Shutter Island. So so okay. I guess Leonardo DiCaprio has has something just sitting in our subconscious. It's like you want to watch
0: my movies again? <laughs> Maybe. OK, well, we didn't say Titanic. No, we didn't say Titanic.
1: No, 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 no
0: Titanic fan. Which yet, I'm not either. sure I've seen the whole thing front to back. Like I don't think I've sat down and watched it all consecutively. I, I it's know a ridiculously just, long uh, movie. Yeah, and I know what happens, so like I don't need to go through it all. Uh, so obviously, I was not one of those people that saw it eight times in theaters.
1: Also, the um, like the the entire like payoff scene in the movie is is inherently flawed. There was space on there for both of them. <laughs> there really was. Yeah, like this sounds like it sounds like cliche to say that because every single person in the history of the planet has said that. But like, it's true. There was space on there for both of them. You got us talking about the Titanic on here. Let's talk about football. Um, I have you on here specifically because in a little bit, we're going to talk about teams that you are most excited about or most interested in or just can't wait to watch on a football field. Spring is wrapping up kind of around the country. As we're recording this, there are a bunch of spring games this weekend. Nebraska's has already happened. It's in the past. We're going to talk about Nebraska coming out of the spring um, and then lead into a conversation about teams that that you just can't wait to watch because it's almost May. Like, we're getting close to football season. It's almost, it's almost May, <laughs> which is insane. Um, so I, I'll ask you this first, Greg, as yep. we are now, what, two weekends removed from the Nebraska spring game. How do you feel about Nebraska football exiting the spring? There's a little bit of news this week <laughs> that uh, may or may not be a big deal, depending on your preference. Um, do you feel pensive about the team? Do you feel encouraged about the team? Are you still, are you like, are you right in the middle 50 50? I don't want to, nope, we're not, I'm, we're not going one way or the other. We're just going to wait and see what happens in fall camp.
0: Where are you at? Man, that, it's tough because I would say, Man, I, I am, I guess, more pessimistic about the prospects of a successful season, I guess is what I would say right now. And part of that, though, is not necessarily the fault of anything that happened prior to this week, it was really about that we didn't, there's nothing where you saw it come together this spring and you go, man, I feel really good about that, that you didn't coming into the spring already, if that makes sense. So because there was so much overhaul with the offensive staff with four new assistants, you also had a new full-time assistant, Bill Bush, uh, moving into a full-time special teams role. You had what double digit transfers coming in, or mid- and mid-year enrollees. They so just have a lot of newness that is going on in the program and a lot of things where they've kind of got to figure it out as they go along in spring was kind of the baseline to get a lot of that stuff installed. So knowing that all on the front end, I'm still not necessarily feeling the warm and fuzzies coming out of spring because all of the same questions that we had coming into spring are the same ones coming out. But it's not necessarily fair to say, oh, they were they were going to have say the offensive line rotation figured out, even though they have two projected starters that didn't practice at all in the spring. So. I feel about the same, honestly, that by long way of saying coming out of the spring that I did going in. Um, And so it's going to end up being I need to see it when we get to the fall. Um, But there are just so many question marks um, heading into the summer now and winter, winter conditioning, summer conditioning still feels like winter, um, summer conditioning going on for Nebraska. You guys got snow and like my my uncle got snow in
1: Omaha on Easter. We got a little bit. It was like weird, like like sleep, snowy, rain, crap. It's weird. It's weird. Like third winter. I saw a buddy in Indiana that was talking about third winter. Um, so I feel about the same, which is to say, you're still a little, a little hesitant to go there with them because there are a ton of questions. So let me ask you this: Frost is notorious for not showing anything in spring. That was um, even more so the case this spring with all the newness around the team, particularly on offense if they had just shown you more, like let's say like Frost gives you an entire practice to watch, which didn't happen, but let's just say he gives you an entire practice to watch. Then they show you a little bit more of Casey Thompson in the spring game and a little bit more. Do do you think that um, your hesitancy with the team is just because you didn't see anything and you don't have any questions answered that you wanted to answer going in? Or is it because, you know, like you've seen guys leave the program or you've seen a bit of practice. Cause you get to see like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is at the beginning, a couple of times, like,
0: like which, which side are you on? First of all, we didn't even get this, to get that 15 minutes at the beginning this year. So when you say that, like, it was like notoriously secretive, it was ratcheted up even from what we normally are in, um, which also does not that to me it, and right or wrong, it doesn't inspire confidence in me um, that, that, is going the other way Um, because to me, it's like, we, we don't want people talking about whatever kinks we're working out right now. And maybe that's the wrong way to read that, but I don't know if how, what else I should think given what's happened previous to this. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I do think though, on the other hand, if I had seen flashes of what like, has been shown supposedly from Casey Thompson in practice that's got him as QB one. If we had seen that in the spring game, I would feel a little bit better there. Um, I I still don't understand how we didn't get just one in the spring game, just one or two deep shots to Trey Palmer, like just something to whet the appetite a little bit. Like I just, I, I'm kind of like curious on that, And so, yeah, I I do think that that's part of it, even knowing that there were going to be a lot of questions that just weren't going to be answered. Um, I think the secrecy and the Like what did he say? Painfully vanilla or basic um, frost about the spring game? Like so much so that I don't know. You caught this like um, Trev Alberts fielded questions about the spring game format uh, in the athletic director show on the radio this week or the end of last week um, because it was so bad. Like from a fan perspective, uh, like we they got out of it without any additional injury, so that's good. Um, But I don't know how you come out of that thinking. Yeah, I feel better about the team. Like, but that may not have been the purpose anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think like, you know, so many coaches and Frost gets included in this, so many coaches just treat the spring as I just, the spring game is just, it's just a thing we have to do. Fans are going to be there. It's going to be a recruiting event, but the biggest thing for me is to just get out of it healthy. And it doesn't seem like Nebraska got out of the spring period in general healthy. Right. So like when you're dealing with injuries to the degree that it seemed like Nebraska was dealing with injuries, you're not really going to want to show people like how... I guess, restricted your roster is or your practices, because then, you know, somebody that's going to end up working in the third team in a season is, is getting first team snaps because there's nobody above them. And then everybody freaks out. Like, why is this person getting first team snaps? Um, but there is something to, you know, like I saw a couple stories from different places around the country where access was opened up a little bit and people were able to go watch practices at specific places. And the, like the narrative coming away, the stories that were written coming away from those practices where people are getting access they don't normally get was, well, it's 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 obvious why they wanted us to see this because they're really good, right? So like I guess the other way, you know, if you're if you're gonna restrict things, then the narrative right, like you said, right or wrong is gonna be, well, why are you hiding this? But I mean, I you know to, I guess to frost card it a little bit. This is the way he's always been.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it's too not. much of a departure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: it's not anything new. Um, interesting. Okay. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the way it was last season where you're just like, I we just need to see what they look like at the line of scrimmage.
0: Yeah, th- I think that that's such a huge part of it, and it's it sounds kind of like no duh matter of fact that we would be saying that about Nebraska football needs to be good at the line of scrimmage, right? And then also playing in the Big Ten like that. It it seems like a no duh thing, but it is something that has definitely eluded Nebraska. It, like maybe like some years they've had one side has been pretty good. The defensive line has had its its strong points, but then the offensive line just hasn't. Um, but they definitely have not had a year in a long time where you would say that's one of the top like half of of football teams in the conference on both the offensive and defensive line like it just has been a long time since that was the case and I don't think it's a coincidence that that has that they've also struggled mightily during those times too.
1: Okay. Well, let's talk about some hopeful stuff, some more positive <laughs> stuff. Because because now, as we've talked about Nebraska, as I've talked with you now about Nebraska, and I talked with Steve on the podcast last week about Nebraska, it veered more into like, eh, I don't know about this team. Let's talk about some positive stuff. Okay. Teams around the country, doesn't have to be Big Ten, doesn't have to be like Big Ten West, doesn't have to be Nebraska-centered teams around the country that you – can't wait to watch. I asked you to come armed with three teams. You did. Thank you yep. for doing your homework. Congratulations. You you passed the test. Unlike last first, time. Give me your <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> we had the technical glitch
0: last time. It's not your fault. Okay. Give me your first team that you would like to talk about. Okay. The, I'll, the first one uh, will be Notre Dame. Um, this is a team, like, it's, it's funny because all of my teams do have one thing in common, um, and I will we'll say that at the end of talking about them, but Notre Dame, um, I'm just, like, fascinated by, like, in a way that, like, I... I've never been necessarily a Notre Dame hater. Um, even growing up in, in Illinois, um, they were talked about a ton, but it, it, I didn't really care one way or the other. Um, so the outsized coverage and like the over like ranking and all of that, like I, I don't really care. But right now, I'm fascinated by what's happening with them. So losing Brian Kelly in the way that they did promoting Marcus Freeman, um, and kind of his meteoric rise and just kind of taking over that particular program and him being able to put his spin on what's happening. Um, I, like I was, I kind of look at things through like the recruiting lens um, and actually I was just reading something about this yesterday where apparently one of his things is, is they're starting to aim higher on the recruiting trail. Like Notre Dame has always been a pretty good recruiting program and they had taken a step up um, recently under Brian Kelly, but he really wants to go after like four and five star players on a consistent basis um, to the point to where I think they've they've only offered a handful of three star guys for the, for the current recruiting class, and that's on purpose. It's by design. Um, there's just a lot there. Just like overall, with that program, that really has my interest, and I'm fascinated on how they do this season.
1: There is such a, a like a, a key and like stark. There's there are two camps for college football coaches right now. There's the the old hat: Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Brian Kelly um old style of coaches and you know that's lumping a bunch of guys in with two broader strokes cuz they're all different kinds of coaches but then there's then there's like the Dan Lanning, mm-hmm. Lincoln Riley, Marcus Freeman where one of the defining characteristics of the, of like the younger generation of coaches is energy. Yeah. And it's energy directed at recruiting. And it's it's like it's You know, it's not to say, you know, Nick Saban has number one, number two, number three classes every single year. So it's not like he's not putting energy into recruiting, but it just feels like a different kind of like urgency with some of the younger guys. And like Marcus Freeman absolutely feels like one of those guys. And those are the coaches that are like the up and coming coaches that are having success.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, One of the other coaches, spoiler alert, that we'll talk about, Mario Cristobal, I also think figures into that discussion as well and kind of that more new school um, mode of coach. Uh, But it definitely, there is a stark difference in that. And it's so funny though with the Saban thing, because you're right in that, obviously he has top recruiting classes every year, um, but more so than kind of those other older school coaches, even though he's the oldest of those guys, he also seems to just embrace what he has to embrace to be successful, right? Like, we've seen that, whether it's his comments recently about NIL, um, which I still think that were more of just a warning shot um, than anything. Um, His comments about the transfer portal were like that, too. And spread offense. Don't forget that part, too, um, as he then adopted it and won championships doing it. So, yeah, so I definitely think, though, that like being able to adapt to those things is definitely a characteristic of those older coaches that seem to still find success as well
1: yeah and and i guess that would be the that would be the good differentiating factor between the older coaches that are having success mm-hmm. like a nick saban and older coaches that are more just like nope this is how i want to do things this is the way we're going to do things the old school method is is that adaptability piece of it and there's a guy around here that would not fit into that category <laughs> um yeah <So laughs> i don't want to i don't yeah um i have wisconsin on my list okay like, are, are we are we getting Graham Mertz that we thought we were going to get? Because if we're getting Graham Mertz that we thought we were going to get, a a backfield of Graham Mertz and Braylon Allen should should win the West, right? Yeah. So, you know, Iowa won it last year, Northwestern the year before that, and then it was Wisconsin, I believe, and then it was Northwestern the year before that. So, like. They've made it to the Big Ten Championship. Correct me if I'm wrong here. One Is there time a Minnesota in the year? In four minutes? years. I think there was a Minnesota year where they split, but I don't think they made it to the conference okay. title game. Maybe that's what it was. Um... Live video and I and I don't come
0: with my with my research fully. <laughs> you're all out. good. Uh, I do like that backfield though. That's
1: a, in that, I think you know. Yeah. I think it's like
0: with what so, you think their offensive line should always be. Like you're, gonna well, yeah, have... off, yeah.
1: Them in the trenches, especially with with the defense. I really like Jim Leonard as a defensive coordinator, yeah. and that hasn't changed for a while. Um, they should be like a high floor team. So, if the backfield of Graham Mertz and Braylon Allen is what you know we expected graham mertz to be when when he dazzled at the the all-american game and uh, coming out of high school and then braylon allen takes another step (laughs) he's one of my favorite guys like he had that tweet after he turned 18 where he's like can't call me a 17 year old anymore like like he fully embraced it he's awesome he's great which sucks because they have another freaking phenomenal running back which is ridiculous and and super unfair um but i just think like you know if, if i if i got my math right like like, they haven't won a Big Ten West outright in – they've won it once in the last four years and made it to a Big Ten title game. So shouldn't, shouldn't Wisconsin be doing that more? <laughs> like, like, shouldn't Wisconsin be doing that more? Um, so, you know, they, they finally figured out the running back position, and then they've got one of the, the highest-rated quarterback signees that they've ever recruited. If this is not the year, if Nebraska is, as FPI says, the favorite to win the division, or if like Northwestern does its typical thing where it yo-yos from really bad to then really good and wins the division. If Wisconsin doesn't win the division, do we start talking about Paul Chris? Because people were talking about Paul Chris last year.
0: That's a good point. Um, They were talking about him last year. And remember, people were like, whoa, what's up with this? But it didn't seem, yeah, we're right there on the edge of that.
1: (laughs) It was something that cropped up for like a brief moment. Mm-hmm. So like if they're not in a position to just run away with the West again this year, do we start talking about them more? I don't know. That's that seems absurd given the level of success that they have consistently hit, but I don't know. So they're one of the teams that I just can't wait to watch because I'm curious if it's going to be more um, old, you know, like Wisconsin, like we've been used to, you know, one of the things that I love in in the yearbook every year is Brandon can pretty much just copy paste Wisconsin what Wisconsin does well <laughs> section from yeah. the year prior where he's like, you know what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball and they're going to be really good. But once they got Graham Mertz, they're like, Hey, we have this shiny quarterback. We can throw the ball now. And then they realized, Oh, if we put too much on his shoulders, it's not, it's not a good, it's not a good mix. So let's, right. let's go back to the running game. And then it took them more out to find Braylon Allen. Now they found Braylon
0: Allen. So what do we get from Wisconsin? I'm very
1: interested in watching them.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Now that like the, you've laid out a compelling case on why a team that is typically like you're like, eh, they're kind of boring is why it would be really fascinating to watch their season unfold. I'm with you. Um, I also just think that it's just so wild and good for them that you can just like you have you can't name three starters on their defense right now, but you know that they're going to be good. Like, it's just such a thing that, like at Wisconsin where it, it doesn't matter the players at this point for them. Um, and they've got some really good like I, I, I have Nick Herbig is a really good um, linebacker on their team. I they always just have really good linebackers. But, you know, they'll be solid on defense. It really feels like it comes down to current, can Graham Mertz be the guy that they thought they were getting? Because if he is, I'm with they should run away with the West because there's so many teams in flux right now or a lot of question marks with other teams in the West.
1: And because Braylon Allen is that good,
0: yeah, that too. Like, and the, but it. that should also just that should also help Graham Mertz because teams are going to have to come into the season committing a lot to stopping him. It should,
1: yeah. I looked it up; I was correct. So they went to three of the first four uh, Big Ten championships after the West East Division realignment, uh-huh. and they have only been to one of the last four. Northwestern has two; Iowa has one.
0: Wow, so. Western has more than them in the last four years. Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's like, I mean, like, you know, every team goes through ebbs and flows and like Nebraska hasn't, you know, like contextually, like, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like they've been bad, but you know, given what they were accustomed to, you know, Wisconsin went 2011, 2012 then 2014. So they went, what, five times in the span of seven years to a big 10 title game. And they've only been once in the last four years. So that's not nothing. Right. So we'll see. Who's your second team?
0: Uh, my second team is actually loosely related to your team, is you know, the Caleb w- Williams sweepstakes um, this offseason, uh, where it felt like Wisconsin had a shot there. Um, ultimately, he ended up at USC, which is my other pick uh, for fascinating teams. Now, you, you know uh, from knowing me that my affinity towards teams out west because of the Lakers, um, I ended up with a lot of crossover with USC football. I see a lot of their stuff. Um, and normally, I'm kind of interested in them because I think that they massively underachieve for what they can be. Um, those days are probably rapidly coming to an end. And the thing that I, I'm i just really interested in is how quickly can that end, right? How quickly can Lincoln Riley really get them up and running? And I, I don't think, I'm not Colin Cowherd. I don't think it's going to be like one year and they're going to be in the college football playoff. But, um, but I don't think it's going to be very long um, until they're like perennial college football playoff contenders. And so how quickly can he get that running? How quickly can he, Flip, they're kind of, I hate using this, like their culture um, from what it was previously to what it needs to be. Like how quickly can he really make up ground with like Los Angeles recruiting, right? Like in keeping all of the, or Los Angeles, but also greater California recruiting and keeping those guys home and making USC the destination that it once was as you really think about like that Pete Carroll time in that era, right? When all of the guys stayed at USC at that point and they were obviously really good. Like there's just so much, there when it comes to what lincoln riley has going on plus the way that all of that went down will just naturally make people really interested in in, in what's happening out there yeah he's a villain right now yeah like which is so crazy because he went from like the coach that everybody loved even if you didn't like if you didn't root for oklahoma you still knew and liked him to now he's the villain even though brian kelly is still hanging out there like yeah sure yeah they they
1: are a villain and what's going to be really interesting with them is I I think the Josh Connerly recruitment perfectly sort of encapsulates the situation that they find themselves in. They should be able to recruit anyone that they want. And traditionally when USC has been really good, USC has been able to recruit anyone that they want. Mm -hmm. And when USC has been really good, they've been able to, you're not going to lock down state of California, but they've been able to get the top kids from the state of California. Um, the five-star offensive lineman that picked Oregon over USC at the last second, a lot of the reporting was that he got a massive NIL deal from Oregon. So USC has deep pockets. Obviously they're one of the the teams in college football. That's going to have deep pockets, but like that is the difference between Pete Carroll, USC, where if they were really good, they could just do whatever they wanted. And Modern day recruiting, where yes, you have to be really good to get into the field with some of those top recruits, but you also got to have NIL packages lined up if you're going to get those guys. And it, you know, I I think just to lose like a high profile five star offensive lineman in the conference to a guy who, you know, comes in and Dan Lanning with maybe a, a, a pedigree as a more physical coach or a coach that's going to give you more physical football than what Lincoln Riley has. That's, that's definitely going to be interesting because like Utah's right there and Oregon, uh, like Oregon almost made my list. Cause I can't wait to watch Dan. Lanning yeah. I
0: thought about at, that the too. Defense.
1: Yeah. Um, Cause I really like Dan Lanning. Oregon almost made my list, but like, yeah, there's like an assumption that, that USC is going to immediately be elevated to this team. That's just going to run away with the pac 12 when I don't think that that's going to be the case. I looked up FBI numbers. If you if you, you know, use FBI to construct a win total for them, their expected record or projected record would be seven point eight and four point two. So eight and four. Is that do you think the Vegas line is gonna be eight and four, or do you think the Vegas line is gonna be nine? I think I would, it'll be nine. I bet it'll be nine. Yeah. Yeah. So like what's gonna be if they win eight games, let's say they win seven games. It's a year one. So it's supposed to be like that to, to an extent, yeah. but is that a disappointment? And because it's USC and because it's Lincoln Riley and because it's Caleb Williams, like if they win seven or eight games and they're not in contention for a Pac-12 South title at the end, like what, are, what is Colin Cowherd tweeting about this team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah I, like, I mean, I wonder, I man, I wonder what, if they win eight, if they go eight and four in the regular season, go to a bowl game, like, will that be viewed as a disappointment for them?
1: In and here's one, the other up
0: a new coach, like, man, that's tough. That's that's a tough world.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's the other piece of it UCLA's projected win total is nine and three. That's a
0: sneaky. If you very if sneaky. If UCLA... see the teams that you could have put on the list, like that, they're a sneaky one, but like, man, if they... <laughs> okay, yeah, let's set up this scenario if USC goes eight and four and UCLA goes nine and three in that first year, and yeah, that would be something. Based on FPI, UCLA would be a three point favorite
1: against USC. (laughs) That'd be a fun game. That'd be a very fun game.
0: I'm hoping, Um, I'm rooting for a very like fun atmosphere and like they have the same record at the end of the year somehow, like before they play. Like that would be great. That would be very cool. My
1: second team, I I guess we're going to stay out West, is Washington State. And, yep. it's, and it's purely because, like, Washington State, with Mike Leach there, was just throwing the ball over the yard. They had the air raid. They went away from that a little bit with Nick Rolovich. That whole mess is behind them, and they get to go into a season without any of the, like, the sideshow distraction. It was a distraction, regardless of what you think about it. Yeah, um, They have Cameron Ward and Eric Morris, who was the head coach at Incarnate Ward, with Cameron Ward. And, like, this dude, they are – massive they're being massively sort of undervalued i think Mm -hmm. this offseason because you know some of the models that leave out fcs to fbs transfers it just looks like they lost their starting quarterback and didn't replace him but they did replace him with an fcs all-american like they got cam ward who threw for almost five thousand yards passing last season in the offense that was directly picked up from texas (laughs) and moved to washington um I can't wait to watch them. They're going to, you know, I don't know how many games that they're going to win, but they're going to throw the ball all over the place. And I think he's going to be one of those guys. He feels like he's going to be like the the next year's version of uh, Malik Willis at Liberty when it comes to NFL draft prospects and, and sort of looking at quarterbacks heading into the next NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that, and I think that he's going to be a guy this year in college football that people may not like. I don't know, like how many people are going out of their way to watch full Washington State games, but they're going to want to see the highlights at least of what he did, right? And I think that, like, man, he was a guy that I, I just really thought should have gotten more looks from other schools. Like I thought that like him being on the market to begin with was kind of wild um, and, and a weird opportunity for obviously a lot of different teams that needed quarterbacks this offseason season um, and could d- use like a dynamic quarterback that has put up a lot of numbers. Uh, so I, that's a really sneaky pick. That's all. That's a, that's a good pick right there. Thank you. What's your third team? My third team. We're gonna we're gonna crisscross the country. We're gonna go all the way down uh, to the three hundred five and talk about Miami. Um, it, it, it's funny because so many so many of these and this underscores my whole original point about the chaos in college football. Like so much of this stuff is actually connected with like degrees of separation from it. Right? We talked a little bit about Dan Landing. The reason that he's out there this is the Mario Cristobal went to Miami. Um, I don't, but the, I really like. Mario Cristobal as a coach, and I like a lot of the things that he brings to the table, whether it's energy on the recruiting trail, a physical style of football, which I thought was just the perfect way to kind of take Oregon to the next um, level. And obviously, they're trying to continue that. Um, he's obviously an alum of, of Miami. and He's going to try to restore the U and be like the next coach to try and do that. I just wanted, there you go, throw it at you. I, I just Did you wonder, see them get, did you, did you see, I'm sorry, not to interrupt you. 95. Did you see
1: them get booed? The first quarter of their spring game at a no. soccer stadium.
0: Did I you hear did about not, this? No,
1: I did not they, hear. About there was that. apparently a massive problem with drops in their spring game, and fans right. booed them in the first quarter.
0: Wow. Okay. And they so- played their
1: spring game at a soccer stadium.
0: Okay, so maybe this actually goes to my point then is that I like all that stuff about crystal ball, but I'm not sure like what the expectation okay. should be for that. That's where I was going there because okay. I just there's something to me about like, and there's these programs like Tennessee is another one of those programs where like they have they were good when I was a kid and they just can't seem to really get it going, right? And Miami seems to be one of those, and you just because you don't follow or cover them like super close, you don't know why it is that they can't seem to get it really turned around um, no matter what happens um, with a new coach. So, like, I want to know if he can be the guy to start to turn them around, but I don't think that'll be an easy fix because you also have, related to what he's trying to do, you still have – been so much of this is tied to being able to keep guys from Florida home, which is how they built the program to begin with, right? Florida State – is going to do something, Mike Norvell, he may flame out, that might be the something, or they could get it turned around. You've got a new coach at Florida whose name is escaping me for some reason at this point. Um, what's the Florida coach? Um Billy Napier. I could Billy Napier. I could picture him in my mind. I couldn't think of his name. Billy Napier. Like he seems to be kind of a one of the we talk about those newer school coaches. Like he kind of seems to be that right as well. So like, what happens there? And then you've got the former national champs UCF um, that wants to try (laughs) to do some stuff too, right? So like, what's going to happen down there? Like that is just fascinating. And maybe I should have put all of them on the list, uh, but we're going to stick with Miami um, as a team that really interests me this year.
1: They like okay, let's. Who has the best future in the state of Florida? You're picking futures, Miami, Florida yeah. state, or Florida with Cristobal.
0: Would you lean Miami? Cause I kind of would. I kind of would too, because I think he's the best coach of the three. I, and maybe, maybe that's because I've seen him do it at the power five level. Maybe that's what it is. Like, because I, I saw him have success at Oregon. I feel like he can also do that at Miami, whether I have, the, I have questions about that with, with Florida and Florida state's coach.
1: Also, isn't what isn't Miami just the cooler team of the three, like like elite Florida prospects, elite Florida high school kids? You're not going to UCF. Sorry. All apologies to the the Knights. You're not going to UCF. If you got it down between Miami, Florida and Florida State and all of them have good coaches and all of them are like reasonably to to good, reasonably good to really good. You're picking Miami, right? Because Miami's just cool. Especially with Ed Reed hanging out on the
0: sidelines, right? <laughs> yeah, are you are just going to pick Miami. Yeah, I think Miami, Florida State, Florida of uh, the cool factor would be how that would go. I think so. Yeah, so, but i also and, and, yeah, and I'm also but it, yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah. I would think so. Yeah, I would say that. I
1: that makes it really that. interesting because then they've got they've got a quarterback that has like preseason Heisman bus yep. in in Tyler Van Dyke. So like, if they have a good year, one under Cristobal, you know, we know that Cristobal can recruit like they become super interesting really quickly cuz the ACC is just waiting for that second yes. team behind <laughs> Clemson to to take over and be good for more than just a season
0: yeah, there's a higher, I think, your ceiling. If you could get Miami, and I guess Florida State would then fall into this, too. If, if one of those teams could ever, like, really consistently be good, like, the conference, A, needs that, but it is ripe for being that second team uh, because you just got the opportunity there because the rest of the conference, you're just never going to be, even, like, as you have one of those other teams in the conference always kind of just rotates as being good, but if you could consistently be that, like, your path to be in the conversation every year in that conference is just wide open. So, I have um,
1: a collection of teams that I cannot decide on for the third one. So, I'm going to give you the field and you tell me which one that you want to talk about. Okay. NC State, sticking in the ACC. NC State, who is like a sneaky, like, sneaky team. Ole Miss or Texas?
0: Oh, man. I, Which one do you okay, want Okay, my last about? two were are, are really I let's go. Let's I'm, only because you groaned, let's go, Texas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Bijan Robinson is awesome. He is. <laughs> He's awesome.
1: Steve Sarkeesian had good years at Washington, coordinated one of the best offenses in college football history at Alabama. I mean, most people expect him to be successful at Texas. They had a bad first season but they were in a bunch of games mm-hmm. almost lost to Kansas <sighs> got to sneak that in there good job and they have the number 1 prospect in originally the 2023 class who reclassified to 20 no 22, who reclassified to 21, enrolled at Ohio State, got a bunch of money from Ohio State, then left Ohio State to go to the place that he was originally planning to go to on the timeline he was originally planning to go to them. I right. just, we, I, as much as oh, I hate no. the hair, I just have to say, Quinn Ewers belongs on the All Finesse team. Like, it's just, it's <laughs> awesome. Well done.
0: Well yeah, done. Right on him and Chandler Parsons hanging out. Well
1: done. Well done. <laughs> got the NIL money, didn't play retains his eligibility, ended up at the place that he originally committed to.
0: Well done. Good
1: job. All finesse team. Um, like, they should have a good offense. They should have a good offense. And they have the wide receiver um, who was really good as a freshman last year that I'm blanking on his name. But, like, they and, should and have... He a, just got one from Alabama. <laughs> yeah, they should have a, a young, talented offense with wh- what most people think is a talented offensive mind in Sark. So, like... They should be good. Are they going to be the sixth best team in the country as FPI labeled them? No, I would be shocked if they were I, we, it, somebody give me like a thing to do. Like, I'm not going to go streaking. I don't want to do that, but somebody give me a thing <laughs> to do. Like tweet at me a thing that I need to do. If like Texas wins the big 12 or like wins 11 games, like tweet me something that is, that is somewhat reasonable and I'll do it. That's just not like streaking. Cause nobody wants to see that. Um, I'll do it because I don't think they're going to win 11 games, but they should be good. Right.
0: They they should be like all signs point to them being good. They've been one of the best teams in the country this off season at landing guys that at least have big names uh, from the transfer portal. Um, The things you laid about that offense, like that offense, the more you think about it, like they should be very, very good on offense. They they have a chance to be dynamic on offense. Um, They need help on the defense. uh, And and maybe they get that from O'Shawn Mathis, who, you know, big storyline around here. Um, But I, we talked earlier about those programs that should be good or used to be good that we just can't figure out why they can't, even if they have even through multiple coaching tenures. Like Texas is uh, maybe the poster child for that right now, even though they have not been like terrible <laughs> Right. So it's, again, relative, but they're not as good as they would like to be, think they should be, or as they're always projected to be (laughs) in the preseason. Um, And so it, it just makes them such a unique program for so many different reasons. But they should at least be able to put up a lot of points this year. Texas is. Maybe I'm off base. Maybe I'm because I'm not there. Maybe
1: I'm off base. So if if I am, people are going to yell at me. It's fine. (laughs) I wonder if Texas's problem isn't somewhat similar to Texas A&M's problem in that the boosters and the donor base and the powerful alumni Mm. in that situation think that Texas should be a lot better than it is and when they've got a guy who like let's say wins a sugar bowl and then has a 7 and 5 season they run that dude out of town because it wasn't a 12 and 1 season like i wonder if that's not the problem and for like the longest time the problem with texas a&m is that texas a&m thought that it was so much better than it was now with NIL, Texas gets Texas AM gets to be as good as it wants to be because of all that money that's down there. And they were on my list too. I thought about them. They gotta win some games. They um, definitely have to win games. Did you see the thing that Kevin Sumlin had the same record through his the start of his tenure at AM as as Jimbo Fisher has? I did. That was did remarkable. Yeah,
0: like, they gotta like they are, a, they and they are a team. You know what Texas A and M is not to sidetrack us, but Texas A and M is that team this year. Where if they don't win games, they're not just going to hear about it from like their rivals. It's not going to just be Texas that's like giving them crap. It's going to be everyone, right? Yeah, like everybody. that's going to be a team that every fan base in the country is going to be taking shots at them. Like they're going to you be were, that team. If you they, are going if to win. get.
1: You are going to get columns from Dan Wilkin about Jimbo Fisher. It's gonna happen.
0: <laughs> I can feel the Pat Forty column being written right now. <laughs> it's it's gonna be happen. In the drafts right now.
1: Um Back to Texas. Xavier Worthy is the wide receiver yeah, yeah. that I was thinking of. Nine hundred eighty-one yards and twelve touchdowns last year. They should be. It just, it just makes me sad to talk about. It pains me to talk about Texas. But the other thing with Texas, now it is. I think it's a little ridiculous to give them like a 20% chance to make the college football playoff, which is what FBI gave them a one in five chance. I think that's a little ridiculous right now, Um, but Oklahoma state has a bunch to replace on defense and a quarterback that has never been consistently elite. OU has a bunch to replace and a first year quarterback. Baylor has a bunch to replace. If this is it, if like, this is your, this is your year. Like this is your year
0: yes you know it's, it's absolutely State's- yeah and their yeah. De- oklahoma state lost their defensive coordinator too right like yeah just, like the but coordinator-
1: then they got they got Derek mason to take a pay cut we yeah, have an sec job
0: that was yeah you were talking about being able to bounce back like that was that's a pretty good that was a sneaky one a sneaky bounce yeah. back yeah. Um,
1: but like if you lose your defensive coordinator to ohio state that's because it's a guy that you didn't want to lose
0: yeah, like, absolutely. You know, yeah, you definitely um, did not want to. And Texas has kind of the the looming thing of like being in the Arch Manning sweepstakes. That'll be fun. They do. That'll be really fun.
1: Do you think Quinn Ewers is going to be good, great,
0: underwhelming in his first year? It's really hard because he, he almost has to be great, not good. <laughs> um, it's unfortunate for him. I think by my prediction: he'll be solid. It'll be it'll be just be solid, and it won't be, and that will leave people like angry, (laughs) like, and I think that he'll he'll get like hate for that. Um, but man, it's gonna be hard for him to. But at the same time, like we're talking about, there's a lot of weapons there, right? Like if if you want to be like able to outperform your skis, so to speak, like having that amount of talent around you on offense, particularly at running back, to be able to hand the ball off to Robinson, uh, will be really helpful. So here's one of
1: the things that I wonder with him, um. Every quarterback that Ohio state has just kind of rolled out one after the other, we've been like, well, I don't know. I don't know. It'll take some time. I don't know. It might be good right away. And then he's just awesome. Yeah. Justin Fields was just phenomenal. And then CJ Stroud took him a game against Minnesota and then he was great. Mm-hmm. A couple games. Then he was, then he was really good. Like, it's just like some little, little magic dust. In Columbus that they just they just sprinkle on guys and maybe Quinn Ewers being there for a year in addition to the bag that he secured by being there. We got a little bit of that magic dust sprinkled on him and he's going to be an exceptional quarterback right away. You know, quarterbacks are great, younger and younger in their careers in college football Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And maybe there's something going on with Ryan Day and, and with Ohio State in that program that, you know, they get guys ready to play at a super high level right away. Now, you know, Ohio state has first round draft picks out the wazoo on the offensive line.
0: The Uh, wide
1: receiver. Yeah. I don't, I haven't looked at Texas's offensive line to know if that's the case, but you know, I don't know, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, maybe there's a little something that gets sprinkled on quarterbacks when they go out there and maybe he's got a little bit of that dust left over.
0: So maybe he needs to, he needs to just carry over what he learned from Ryan day. Um, then combine that with Sark's wisdom, because obviously he can coach offense, and then he'll be good to go. I was I was about to say, don't listen to Steve Sarkisian.
1: So we can put <laughs> a, the little the little ticker on the bottom of this oh, video.
0: Break. I messed it breaking, up.
1: Brain news: Don't listen to your head coach. Okay. So there's a,
0: words of wisdom to not live by from me. Wor- words of wisdom from um,
1: from from me: uh, Tweet at recruits parents. Don't listen <laughs> to your head coach. Those are the two. Those are the two. Great. There you go. Awesome. Um, do, you want, do you want to talk about Texas A&M? Because they were, they were like right there.
0: Uh, it's okay.
1: Okay. All right.
0: That's fine. Though Jimbo did have an all-time like phony rant when he went off about NIL at signing day. It was great. Um, let's wrap this up on I have a
1: question for you okay. that I thought of while we were podcasting. So you were not prepared for this question. But I'm going to ask it anyway.
0: Okay.
1: You tweeted that Casey Rogers was a big departure for Nebraska. It was a big transfer portal loss. You got a lot of pushback on that. (laughs) If if Nebraska, obviously not like at quarterback, but like who is a guy that that would be like just unlosable? Like you cannot lose this guy to the transfer portal. If you're if you're thinking about their team as we move into this offseason, who are like what's what's a position that you think No more. Can't have any more attrition. Nothing else
0: can happen to this. It's the same position. It's defensive line. If Ty Robinson were to leave, like... Don't say that. Well, do that. I didn't even put an actual name do to that. it. I apologize in advance for even I'm putting that on my that desk. In the thing. Yeah, like I don't have.
1: I asked you about, about player, it. and then I was like, let's not do that. Let's go position. Yeah, dude. like seeing that's an,
0: I shouldn't have. <laughs> that, that's on me. I'm sorry. Um, uh, defensive Breaking line. News delete, at the bottom. delete, delete, delete. Um, <laughs> defensive line. They can't take another defensive line Um, transfer because otherwise, I was really trying to, I was thinking through the other position groups and you might be able to absorb like the, my second place finisher was actually inside linebacker. Um, but you might be able to make that work. Uh, yeah. Defensive line. You can't lose another defensive lineman. So could they
1: just, I mean, like maybe they're going to do this anyway, but like, couldn't you, couldn't you move some guys from outside linebacker from linebacker down to the defensive line? Cause you've got, you've got Ty Robinson and Nash Hutmacher who could play inside. And then Jalen Weaver is just a massive human being who could occupy space inside. So, I mean, you're talking about like trying to finagle your way into some ends. They played a little bit with just two down linemen last year. Like, Mm -hmm. like there's a scenario where they could, they could, you know, they could massage this and, and work it into something good. You know, I'm not saying like, like losing Casey Rogers is, is, is just okay. Like you can just move on from it. Like, you want to he was a guy that they developed you want to keep those guys and get those guys on the field and see the right. fruits of your labor um, but like I mean there's there's like a scenario where they could they could work this out
0: right yes there there's a scenario where they could do it um but it does involve like being able to you have to combo this thing you've got to probably get one more guy at least to play interior defensive line from the portal. And it so that that way, and keeping it realistic to just be like a rotational guy. And so that you could keep, because what you really don't want to have happen is on a week to week basis, Ty Robinson has to play 65 snaps. Like you just don't want, like eventually that's going to wear him down. So you've got to have another body or two that you can rotate in. And then you can start also mixing and match and pinching down those ends and all of that stuff, especially against a team like, like say like Purdue, where you know they're going to want to throw the football, like that's a good game to do something like that. Teams that in the conference that like to throw it, but it's not. It, the The problem is not against those teams. The problem is going to be against the teams like your week, but zero one opponent in Northwestern. Um, who I can't imagine how many times Pat Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald wants to run the football in that game right now. Like they may not throw a pass. Like I just don't know. (laughs) Like he's going to run the ball a lot as Nebraska is currently constructed. Who's playing quarterback for them, by the way?
1: For Northwestern, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is it still the Hunter Hunter Johnson kid? That's a good question. I don't know who's playing quarterback for them.
0: I guess they've also lost a lot of guys. Like they've had a lot of. Yeah, they've had a lot of guys that say lost from last year to this year too. Like to bring us back to
1: your uh your first team that you were most excited about, they lost somebody uh from the secondary to Notre Dame. And then I don't know if you saw like some of the reports from Notre Dame's practices. Like he had like like a bunch of interceptions in the first couple days of practice. Like there was like a string where he had interceptions like every day for two or three days. Like Brandon Joseph is gonna be good. Really good. Yeah, really good for Notre Dame I mean, God, I can't.
0: I'm, so, goes, I'm, I'm excited go we got Kyle to Kyle Hamilton to Brandon Joseph Knight we got to talk about Marcus
1: Freeman I'm happy thank you for letting us talk about Marcus Freeman hey no problem <laughs> <laughs> that's going to do it for this week thank you to Greg for coming on the podcast it was nice to talk to you again shouts to you guys for listening to this every week shouts to Cam for producing this go follow Greg on Twitter go read his stuff on HailBarCity.com and we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.
0: A Media Production.